In January here last week, Pastor Sam kicked us off last week in our better series, and wasn't it phenomenal on prayer? And, uh, you know, one of the things that I loved that he shared with us, and one of the statements that he made that really stuck out to me is, is that he said that God isn't upset when we don't pray. He's just glad when we do. I mean, how neat is that? I mean, because I think so many times condemnation comes like, oh, well, I don't want to... Man, if I go pray, God's going to be like, hey, where you been? I've been missing you. <laughs> you know? and, and yet, it's not like that at all. God is a father who loves us, and he's just so thankful when we come to him. And the Bible says that even the act of prayer requires faith. Why? Because to pray means somebody's listening, right? We have to believe that. And so, so many times, I believe that we can get so hung up. And, and just even just life becomes life. Life becomes daily. All these things begin to happen that we just kind of lose track of really some things. And so that's why I love uh, this prayer and fasting here at the beginning of the year. It's kind of like hitting the reset button on our year. It's just like, hey, I'm going to take a break from some things. I'm going to hit pause on, on some elements of life. Obviously, you can't just go crawl in a cave and just say, hey, see you next month because we still have life to live. But there are things that we can do spiritually uh, here in January that I believe will really set the tone and really set the pace for our year. And, uh, you know, so and even along that line, you know, our theme is getting better at what matters most. And if we're not careful, we can get better at a lot of things that really aren't the most important things. Let me say it this way. We don't want to get to the end of our year and realize that we won at the wrong things. Right? I want to make sure that I'm winning in the right areas of life, that I'm making sure that the priorities are right. And so, you know, let me give you just a few examples of things that you could be pursuing that may not be, not that they're bad, they're just not most important. We could pursue money. There's nothing wrong with money. I like money. It's useful. But yet that's not, shouldn't be the, the number one priority of my life. Maybe it's status or success and stuff and those types of things. Maybe it's just selfish ambition. Just, man, I want to be something. I, and so we pursue these things, really, and they become so important, and yet we miss out on the things that are really most important. Let me give you some of the examples of most important things. Our relationship with the Lord, first and foremost. Why? Because that relationship affects every relationship. You know, like me and my, I'll just tell myself a little bit. Sometimes me and my wife, we've been married for 15 years, and we have this phrase that we use to kind of keep each other in check. Anybody know what that means? Not know what that means? Keep each other in check. In other words, when we, when we get out of line, it's a real simple, and we, we do it with the most loving thing, and we say, you need to go spend some time with Jesus. <laughs> Why? Because we actually do. Why? Because my connection to Jesus affects my relationship with her. And if I'm where I'm supposed to be with him, I, it actually makes me treat her the way the Bible tells me to and causes me to. And, and so family, being diligent in, in various areas, there are things that we need to make sure that we're winning in the right areas. I, I don't want my kids to look at me years from now and be like, thanks for raising me, but I don't really want anything to do with you. I want my kids as adults to want to come hang out with me. But I need to make sure that I'm investing in them now so that that relationship can be had later. Those are areas that I want to win at. And, and so we want to make sure that we're winning in the right areas. You know, and so, and really that's why we're encouraging you to take this time here in January to begin to set some focus time aside. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm really not. 
all I'm encouraging you to do is to ask the Lord, is there anything that's distracting me from hearing from you right now? And what do I need to do about it? And then just do whatever you feel led in your heart to do. It's really that simple. Do what he tells you to do. It's not difficult. It's not challenging necessarily. I mean, it is challenging, but I mean, I could stand up here and say, this is what we're going to do. And what's more important is that you hear from God for yourself. And you say, Lord, I'm going to do that. Okay, I'm going to make that adjustment. I'm going to make that sacrifice, whatever it may be. And you make those adjustments. And so I wanted to take just a few minutes here this morning and kind of tell you a little bit of just to kind of get us started, a little bit of my connection to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, this has been something that I've done for a number of years uh, in my own personal life. I did this, actually, it's been longer than I thought. I went back and I started looking through some of my preaching notes to figure out how long ago did I start teaching on prayer and fasting. And the first time that I could find was actually in 08. And so that was 10 years ago. And so it was at least 07 the first time I ever did this. Um, you know, so this isn't something that I tried like two weeks ago. I was like, hey, this is great. You should try this. Uh, this is something I've done for over a decade. And then I see the, the benefit and the blessing. And really, it all started and it came out of one verse. And uh, so I'm going to read this to you. It's uh, John chapter 4, verse 32. Now I'll give you the backstory on it. But Jesus was, had met a Samaritan woman at a well, and they have this dialogue, and I won't go into all the details of it, but I would encourage you. It's good to go read uh, John chapter 4. But then the disciples bring Jesus lunch, and one day I was just reading my Bible, um, and this verse just kind of jumped off the page at me. And, uh, and so what happens is they come and offer Jesus lunch, and he refuses the food and of course the disciples are uh, competitive and they want to know who beat me to Jesus and got lunch here first because they were always jockeying for position and uh, you know but Jesus responds to them in verse 34 or sorry verse 32 he says I have food that you know nothing about I have food that you know nothing about in verse 34 Jesus continues and he says my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work and and those two scriptures this was my takeaway from that when Jesus said I have food that you know not of my thought was I have no idea what he's talking about and it bothered me I don't know if that ever happens to you but there's times I just read the scripture and and something just sticks out and I'm like Why does that stick out to me? And I just had this heart moment where I was like, okay, Jesus is talking about something that I have no idea, no connection to. And so I begin to study and to pray and to ask the Lord, okay, why is this sticking out to me? And so as I begin to study it, that word nourishment there, when I went back into the Greek and all those things, it actually has this definition, which is this, is that it's that which truly satisfies the mind the soul, and the spirit. You know, you can eat food, and it what? It feeds your body. But you know what? Food does not feed your soul. Food does not feed your spirit, but yet there are a lot of other things that feed our spirit. There's a lot of other things that feed our souls. And we develop appetites for these things. And here Jesus is actually talking about living in a way and actually living a life that is very contrary to what we know. And just in my honesty before the Lord, I, I just, it just began to stir up in me to begin to, to make some adjustments in my life. And I began to ask the Lord, what appetites do I have that are harming me? See, we all have appetites. 
We all have things that we gravitate to that, that feed our physical bodies, yes. I mean, you can possibly live on Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Cheetos and for a, a little while, I'm not saying your doctor's gonna like it. I'm not gonna say he's, but guess what? The more you eat it, the more what appetite you get for it, the more craving you have for it as well. Well, you know, the same thing is true in the areas of our soul. The more that we watch certain things on TV, the more that we allow uh, little, little compromises. They're really small and we don't even notice it. But it begins to what? Form an appetite for more and more and more. And so what at one time we were kind of like, ah, that, that kind of bothers my heart. That just, I, I don't know, that the Holy Spirit on the inside of me doesn't really like that. In just a little bit of time, our appetite grows for those things that are actually waging war against our soul. And before long, we become numb to it. And we wonder why we don't sense the presence of God any longer. What's happened is our appetite has changed. What we have actually, because I remember when I first got saved, man, I didn't care about anything else. I was so excited about God because I knew how jacked up I was. And I knew that God had saved me. I knew that God had worked in my life. And man, and I didn't care about hanging out with people. I wanted to, you know, I mean, it was just my life. I was like, I just want to be where God is at. I don't even know what that means, but that's what I want. And yet this was about 07, I guess, so 10 years after I'd gotten saved. And this verse pops up and man, it just began to mess with me in a good way. And I began to ask the Lord, Lord, why what is this? And so ultimately it brought me to, because I began to just look through scripture and I began to see where people prayed and fasted, prayed and fasted. And my response was, I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't do that. I, I, I'm not strong enough, whatever, however you want to say it. And it took a process of time until I had submitted to the Lord and just said, I'm going to do this. You know, but the thing that I can tell you all these years later is that every year that I have participated in this, my year has ended stronger than I've started. Every year I've ended stronger than I've started. And you say, well, why is that? Because I, in January, I'm asking the Lord to give me his heart and his mind for my year. And saying, Lord, what do I need to be focused on this year? And it doesn't always come during the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Don't get discouraged if you're like, well, man, I've been praying. And I've been looking for the Lord. and I've been asking him and I ain't hear nothing. You'll hear when you need to hear. It may be a week from now. It may be a week after the fast. It may be even a couple months from now, but you'll know. And all of a sudden, you're going to have this, just this, it's like, man, I have the answer for this. Where did that come from? Back in January, you prayed for it. God just said, hey, you didn't need it till now, so I'm giving it to you now. But I believe that God will bless our year when we, what? When we begin to seek him first, when we begin to make that a priority. And so, now I understand that you may even have the question of, well, why 21 days? What's significant about 21 days? There's a few things, but number one, people get it from the book of Daniel. Daniel, the Bible says that he prayed and it took 21 days for his answer to come. Daniel also fasted and prayed for 10 days. Then you can go and read that in the book of Daniel. And, and, and so, and, you know, and a lot of people would call that the Daniel fast, which is fruits, vegetables, beans, grains, you know, all that kind of stuff. And people do that. Now, what I'm not telling you to do is to, Fast food. If that's what the Lord puts on your heart, that's fine. But that's not what I'm telling you to do. 
What I am encouraging you to do is to simply ask the Lord, what is distracting? What is, what is pulling my focus away? Because what? I'm getting nourishment from things that actually aren't feeding me. They're, they're, so, they're, they're spiritual and soulless junk food. And we wonder why things have gotten stale. That's why. And so one of the things that happens when we set some things aside is the nearness of God becomes real. More real than previously. Because, and, and it's just the way that life happens. Relationships happen. We have to be intentional about these things. And so, you know, so one of those is that. Here's the other, another aspect, which this is a fairly natural one, but yet it's still applicable, is psychologists tell us it takes 21 days to form a habit. It takes 21 days to break a habit. There will be some things that God will lay on your heart to do during this moment right now that we have that you, after we're done, you're going to say, I don't want to pick that back up. Maybe it's a TV show. Maybe it's a series. Maybe it's you know, something you watch online. Maybe it's whatever it may be. I mean, like, I'll give you an example of this. this. Now, this is absolutely true. You want to know how my mom told me she knew that I'd actually gotten saved? I was 17 years old, 16 years old. And she said, I knew it was real when ESPN was no longer that important to you. Because ESPN was the altar at which I worshipped. I mean, it played in my room 24 hours a day. I, I woke up to it. I went to sleep to it. Sports meant everything to me. There's nothing wrong with sports. I still watch sports. The difference is, is I don't have to watch them. And that was the thing that my mom said. I knew it was real when I, when I, when I saw that. Because I was raised in church. But I didn't get saved until I was 16. And so we have to be mindful of these things. And so there are things that, that we need just to take a break from, step away from just for a little bit, because we don't realize the effects that it has on us. But yet it does. And so we need to take these moments and take this time here at the beginning of the year to seek the Lord. So uh, if you have your Bibles, this will be on the screen as well. But I want to read you a couple verses here out of Matthew chapter 6. And at the beginning of this chapter... Jesus is really giving some instructions to us as his followers. And the first part, which we're not going to spend any time on, but I'll mention it, is that Jesus actually gives us three when statements. He doesn't say if, he says when. And so it's not really a question if we're going to do this. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, these need to be disciplines as part of your life. The first one is, is when you give. And he gives us instructions on how we are to give. And the right, proper way to do it, just for the sake of time, we're not going to uh, read those verses. But here in verse 5, Jesus is teaching and he says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Now, we don't understand this really, but think of like an entrance to a football game. You know those athletes come running through the smoke and they're jumping up and down. And they were making a big show of how spiritual they were. This was the religious elites of the day. They were making a huge show of their prayer in front of people, but they never prayed privately. It was just all for show. And he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Pray, or you know, don't do it publicly. And there's, now, I'll talk about that in a minute. But he says, I tell you the truth. That is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray... When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray. As believers, as followers of Christ, we should be praying. Pastor did a phenomenal job last week sharing about why we should pray. Why? Because it's valuable. 
It's valuable to God. Let me read you a verse along that line. In Daniel chapter 10, an angel comes to Daniel after he had prayed. He was waiting. to. This is when he had to wait 21 days for his answer to come. In Daniel chapter 10 verse 11, it said, The man said, the angel said to Daniel, You are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say. To stay. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. And then he goes on, he says, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you begin to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your requests have been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayer. Daniel, you are very precious to God. Why do we pray? Because God is we are precious to him, and that's why he listens. He's attentive, he's paying attention, waiting to hear from us. And here, Jesus gives us instructions. He says, when you pray, he says, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private. Then the Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7 says, and when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. You don't have to pray these big, long, beautiful prayers. You don't have to repeat all these crazy words that some of us don't even know what they mean. I know no one else is ever guilty of that. You're like, I'm saying words. I don't know what they mean, but they say it in church. So it sounds good to me. Let's pray that. Talk to God the way you talk. Don't go to him and be like, oh, dear father, hallowed be thy name. You're not Shakespeare. Talk like you talk. If you have an accent, some of you may think I have an accent. By the way, I'm not a Yankee, by the way. I'm still from Louisiana, just so you know. You laugh, but I hear that a lot. And like, oh, you're from north of I-10, which is true. But <laughs> you pray how you talk. You don't have to be different. God's not looking for a perfect prayer. He's looking for a heartfelt prayer. There's a big difference. He says, don't just babble on and on. He says, they think that they will get answers merely by repeating their words over and over and over and over and over again. He says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. But yet he goes on and he says, but pray like this. So God already knows what we need, but yet we are instructed to still pray. Why? Because God will not force anything. We have to invite him in. We have to. Prayer is an invitation. That's what it is. God, I'm inviting you into this area of my life. I'm inviting you into my marriage. I'm inviting you into my kid's life. I'm inviting you into my finance. I'm inviting you into my life, into my heart. That's what I'm doing when I pray. It's an invitation to him. So we see this very clearly in scripture is that when we pray, not if, when. Now, prayer is also not reserved for one member of the marriage. Whether that be the husband or the wife. You may be a husband, like, ah, my wife does all the praying for us. Men, God needs to hear from you too. Your wife needs you to pray over her. Your children need you to pray over them. It's important. I don't say that to be heavy-handed, but men, we, we are to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. Wives, you may have a great husband who's a spiritual man. You're like, oh, he takes care of all the spiritual stuff. He needs you in agreement with him. There is power in agreement. You're like, well, my spouse won't pray with me. They won't do that. 
Begin to pray that God will begin to deal with them. You don't have to change them. You let God deal with them. You just make it as an area of, 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 of faith for you. And watch God work. But prayer is so vital to our life. And here in verse 16 of Matthew 6, he continues. This is the same thought process. And he's still teaching the same thing. He says, and when you fast. When you fast. Not if. When. And when you fast. Don't make it obvious as the the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. Says, I tell you the truth, this is the only reward that they will ever get. Verse 17 says, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Take a shower, put on some deodorant, look decent. Yeah, yes, brush your teeth, please. Please, that's important. Why? Because I don't want somebody to look at me and be like, oh, what are you doing? Well, I'm just suffering for Jesus. No, Jesus suffered all that he had to suffer. I don't have to suffer. You don't have to suffer. But again, I'm not fasting to change him, manipulate him, to work him in some way. I'm fasting to change me, to bring me in line with his purpose for my life and get rid of the distractions and the things that are trying to pull me away. So sometimes we need to hit the reset button Why? Because things can get a hook into our heart, into our soul, and they're affecting us and they're holding us back and we don't even know it. We're not even aware of it. That's why it's so important. So he says, take a shower, put on some deodorant, brush your teeth, fix your hair, be pleasant. Don't make a scene. He says, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will, will reward you. One translation says it this way. What you do in private, God will reward openly. What you do in private, it's a private discipline. It is a discipline. Nobody likes discipline, but everybody loves the results of discipline. Right? Nobody loves going to the gym, but everybody loves to be like, man, I wish I looked like so-and-so. Well, they have the discipline to do what I don't want to do. This is discipline. This is spiritual disciplines. So, you know, so we have this. So the Bible gives us three wins. W-H-E-N. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. This is Jesus talking. And you can look throughout Scripture. Jesus himself fasted before he ever did the first miracle. I mean, Daniel, you can go look throughout Scripture. It's there over and over and over. Now, let me just say this. If you're not careful, you'll become very legalistic in your fasting. That's not what we're wanting for you to do. Because you can become very, like, regimented, just like very legalistic, hard-lined. And you just worry about you and don't worry about everybody else. Let the Lord deal with you. You But at the same time, you're like, well, man, I'm a weekend. I've already blown it. Awesome. Welcome to the club. He'd say, Father, I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm getting back today, though. I, I, man, I want, I'm committed to this. It's not about perfection. It's about the connection of what we're doing. So, you know, so, you know even what, what is a fast? Well, why would we fast? It's this. It's a predetermined time frame that is set apart. So you make up your mind. It's a predetermined set of time. We've already kind of established it. Hey, we're going to take 21 days here. And it's dedicated to focusing on the Lord first 
and foremost. If you weren't here two weeks ago, Pastor John shared about different types of fast. I'm not going to get into it for the sake of time this morning, but it's on the archives. You can go back and watch that and really to listen and to really get an idea of of specific things that you can do. There's lots of things. But here's the reality is that God is more interested in why we are fasting than what we are fasting. That's what matters to God. Why, not what. The why matters. The why matters greatly. If you're fasting just for a personal reason that's just really not connected to spirituality, that's, I mean, because there are people in the Bible that, that, that God spoke to and he said that you've chosen a fast that I have not chosen. So we can actually do this with the wrong motive. But why matters. And our number one why is what? To get closer to God. To, to help our relationship come closer to him. And, and so this is important for us. It's about our focus. It's about our heart's attention. And really paying attention to these things. See the discipline. This is a quote from a guy named Jensen Franklin. He has a great book called Fasting. Which I would encourage you to get if you don't have. But it says the discipline of fasting breaks you out of the world's routine. And it prepares the way for God to give you fresh revelation. Fresh vision. And a clear purpose. Fasting is just a season, but it breaks you out of your normal routine, but it also paves the way for what? Revelation, fresh vision, and clear purpose. That's the reason why we're doing this. See, I believe that even as we set this time aside, that it's a short season that has long-term blessings and benefits to our life. This is a short season, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to pray anymore this year. It's like, hey, we're going to pray in January, and I got all my prayers in for the year. I don't, well, maybe that works for you. It doesn't work for me. I need more prayer than that. I need to pray for myself more than that, much less anybody else. So, you know, but it is this focused time. See, what happens is that we can fast but not add the spiritual elements to it, which is like the devotional that we have. Maybe it's re- having a, a, a reading plan, something for your, for your time. If you're not actually adding the spiritual elements, I hate to tell you this, but you're on a diet, Nobody likes dieting, right? I don't. And yet what happens even with a diet is a diet what changes the way we look physically. I can lose some weight and you, depending on what you do, you might lose some weight. You might cut caffeine out. You might cut sodas out. You might do whatever. You might lose some weight. Great. Awesome. Praise the Lord. But if you're not replacing that with something spiritual, you're on a diet. And it's going to change the way you look, but it's not going to change... Your soul. It's not going to change your spirit. When we fast, it actually changes our spirit. And in this way, it's what? It changes what we see. It changes how we see. You know, because you have physical eyes. I have physical eyes, but the Bible says that we also have spiritual ears, spiritual eyes as well. And that's important to know that. Is that we're increasing the sensitivity of our heart. And so fasting is not a requirement. It's a choice. It really is. It's a choice that we can have. But prayer combined with fasting will cause a greater awareness and sensitivity to the Lord. To God moving in our life. Things that we just kind of think, oh, well, that's what happens. And we'll realize, oh, that was actually the Lord working in my life. That was, that was an answer to my prayer. I didn't even realize that. I wasn't even aware of that. I said this a minute ago, but every time that we begin to pray, we're, we're actually creating space. That's the way I think of it. In January, I'm creating space in my life. I'm removing things that are unessential 
from my life because I want to create some space for God to come in and feel. God will never force anything on us, even a blessing. He won't. Because he doesn't force, he feels. There's a big difference. If he could force us, he would have forced all of us to get saved. Like, but he won't. He simply says, I'm going to wait until you're ready to open up your heart and allow me to come in and feel your heart. Well, that's the same thing that happens even through this time of prayer and through fasting and seeking the Lord. See, I believe that this can actually be your best year this year. If, and this is important, if it's your best year spiritually. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's just going to go your way and everything's going to be perfect and you're never going to have any struggles. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But how you encounter life will be better than it's ever been before. Because you have spiritual strength at which to actually take things on and to walk through things with the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. This can actually be your best year ever. But it's going to require that it's your best year spiritually. To, to put some spiritual disciplines into your life. This whole thing may be a new concept for you. You're like, I've never actually made a discipline of my life of just reading the word of God. If you'll put that as a discipline in your life. And you make that commitment. You will see the benefits, the blessings, the reward that the word of God will actually begin to produce in your life. Why? Because you've made it a discipline. You're not just kind of reading the Bible one day and here, there. It's, I mean, I eat every day right? Multiple times. One meal is not enough to feed me and to keep me happy. And then I have these mini meals called snacks in between those meals too. (laughs) And yet spiritually, we don't have that same understanding. We think we can come to church once, twice, three, four times a month and hey, that's enough. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, it actually says that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. It's one thing, and and, and church is good. I've given my life to the church. I believe in the church. But our relationship with God doesn't stop with our church attendance. There's more to it than that. There's more for us than that. And so so that's why you'll hear me say it a lot, is that you need to hear from God. Why? Because he wants to talk with you. Not at you, with you. You can talk to him, he will talk to you. It's a conversation to be had. And what we're doing here in January is simply just creating some some space for God to come in and feel. We're getting rid of those non-essential things and we're filling it and really making the priority of prayer. Saying, God, as I pray, I'm inviting you into this circumstance, this situation of my life. And it's so important. You know, the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6... Verses 7 and 8. It says, many times we use this for, for the offering, for people's giving, and yet this is actually a, a life principle, not just a giving principle. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So the seeds that we plant, every decision that we make, they're seeds. The thoughts that we allow to linger, those are seeds. And those things are going to produce in our life. And there are some seeds that we have sown that we need to go pluck out because they are weeds in the garden of our heart. 
And that's why Proverbs tells us to guard, to watch over, cultivate your heart. Why? Because if you, I'll say it this way, if you show me the content of your thoughts, I will show you the direction of your life. Why? Because that's what you're focused on. That's what you're meditating on. That's what's a priority to you. And he says, don't be misled. Whatever seeds you sow, God will, he's not going to be made a fool of. That's really what that means. Whatever you sow, you will reap. In verse 8, it says, those who live only to satisfy their sinful or their natural nature, this flesh that we have, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. You're like, well, man, that seems heavy. Here's the reality. We are a three-part being. You don't have... You're not a body. You have a body. You're not a soul. You have a soul. You are a spirit being. It's the eternal forever part of you. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. Think of it this way. This flesh that you see is just a tent that one day will get folded up and put into a coffin. It's a tent. It's a temporary house. That part of me will not live on forever. But my spirit will. And the Bible says I can either sow to this temporary tent, this flesh suit, or I can sow to my spirit, which is eternal. It's forever. And when I sow to the flesh, and you're like, well, I don't know what the flesh is. Think of a two-year-old, three-year-old. I want what I want, and I want it now. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to get louder and louder and louder. And I'm not going to stop until I get what I want. That's your flesh. That's my flesh. It's just me centered, me focused, what I want. Give it to me. Give it to me five minutes ago. That's the flesh. And it has these desires, the Bible says, that actually begin to fight against our soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, and our spirit, man. And we wonder... Well, I come to church and I hear him talk about freedom and I hear him talking about joy and I hear him talking about all these other great, man, they sound great. I wish I had them. There's a chance that there are seeds that you've either planted or are planting that are actually waging war on your mind, your emotions, your soul, your spirit, man. And that's why it's so important to what? Disconnect from just day-to-day normal life. Don't get numb in living life every day. Break out of the normal to really get a clear picture of what's happening in our lives. He goes on, he says, second part of verse 8, he says, those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So we all have a choice here. Every single one of us have a choice. Who's in charge of our life? Is it just our flesh? Is it just our whims, our desires, our longings? Or is it our spirit man leading our life, making decisions? That's a decision that every one of us have to make. Because you can be saved, love Jesus, and your flesh be out of control. I can be there. Very easily. And yet, we don't really want to reap the rewards of our flesh. What we're talking about through prayer and fasting, we're talking about 
our spirit man being in the first priority, the first position of our day-to-day lives. You know, even as we're, you know, I started this morning and asked, kind of made the statement, and as we're wrapping this up this morning, you know, I asked you and kind of gave you the thought is that we want to make sure we're not winning at the wrong things. And that's so easy to do. We can get so distracted by so many things going on and happening and, and just all these things that just life being life. And yet we can begin to sow to just these natural things that really are not going to produce the life that we need, the life that we truly want. But we can also make decisions that say, no, I'm not going to allow my flesh to dictate my life. I'm going to allow my spirit, man, that, that part of me that God has come has saved and redeemed and, and brought back to relationship and connection with him. I'm going to let my spirit man get in charge. Well, how do you do that? You know, I, have a, I had a friend one time use this. He's made a statement. He says, sometimes you need to exercise your no muscle. Sometimes you need to tell yourself no. Now, that's not easy. I'll be the first to acknowledge that. I mean, sometimes I need to tell myself no to anger. That's me personally. Because I can get fired up about things. I'm like, you need to calm down. No, you're not going to say that. No, you're not going to act like that. Because my flesh, what, wants to give you a piece of my mind. Somebody tried to cut me off in traffic the other day on the 210. And I was like, if I could talk to you right now. Yeah. You want to find out if you got a flesh nature getting some traffic? Like, I'm not sure if I do. Let's go for a ride. It don't take long. That flesh, and it's crazy how quick the flesh wants to jump up. I mean, we could be living for the Lord. I mean, I've been living for the Lord for over 20 years. It's amazing to me how quickly my flesh just, whoo, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Oh, it's this flesh. I forgot. I still have it. I've been redeemed, just not my flesh yet. See, one of the, the, the tricks that I believe the enemy wants us to, to never, and, and one of the things I, I think that he really never wants us to fully understand is that, you know, the Bible says we have a three-part being, spirit, soul, body. There's actually a three-fold work of salvation. And, and this is how I'll, I'll phrase it to you. I am saved in my spirit right now. I'm saved right now. My soul is being saved. It's in the process. We call that sanctification. I'm getting my stuff straight. But this flesh will be saved one day. It's not yet. It will be. So I still have to deal with my soul because sometimes my soul gets out of place, gets out of its lane. I have to deal with my flesh all the time. All the time. Why? Because it's always there. And it's always waiting to get what? The advantage over me. I have to exercise that no muscle and say, not, not today. Nope, I'm not going to give in to that moment. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. No, I'm not going to just turn on that TV show that I know stirs up thoughts and feelings in me that really have no place in my life. And we wonder why our life is just chaotic. Well, what's the influences we're bringing into our life? What are the things that we invite into our home? What are the, the, the circumstances, the conversations that we have? 
that are, that are really sowing seeds into our life that really we just need to say no to. Hey, I, I'm not going to be part of that conversation any longer. I'm not going to think those thoughts anymore. The Bible gives us the instruction. It says, let every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, it tells us to cast down. Actually means to rip down forcefully. So just because you have a thought, you know that that's not your, necessarily just your thought. The Bible says that the, the enemy will fire thoughts into our mind. And we can think, man, what's wrong with me? Why, where did that thought come from? The Bible calls it a fiery dart of the wicked one. That the enemy is just shooting that thought, trying to what sow that seed. And we need to say, nope, that doesn't line up with what God says about me. And you have to speak to those things like, devil, you're a liar. That's not true. The Bible says that I am the righteousness of God. And yet that can be hard to do many times. We can struggle with that. And yet we need to respond. Why? Because that's what the Bible gives us instructions to do. That's putting our spirit man in charge. And that's what this season's all about. It's about putting our flesh under. You're like, yeah, but this is hard. Good, it should be a little bit. Shouldn't be impossible, but... It ought to be, if it's the Lord, it's going to challenge you. But it's not that he's challenging you because he's mad. No, he has a blessing in mind. He has something good in mind that's on the other side of obedience. That when I obey him and there's a blessing on the other side, that there's no way seeing the blessing, I would come back and be like, ah, can I undo that? I want to go back to, no, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I would have known what God had in mind on the other side of my obedience, I would have obeyed a long time ago. Because it was so much better than I ever thought. And that's what this season's all about. It's not just removing things out of our life. It's, it's making God the focus and, and the priority of our life. And just saying, God, I'm, I'm emptying who I am. I, I, I am emptying my life. These areas that are so important to me, they're not more important to me than you. You may be here this morning and maybe in your past.